Okay, welcome back to the Golf Preview Podcast on RJ Bell Stream Preview. I'm Will Doctor alongside James Ledbetter, and today we break down the inaugural start to the 2022 PGA Tour season at the Century Tournament of Champions in Hawaii uh, in Cap- at Kapalua, which features all winners from the previous 2021 season, uh, plus an, Olymp- an Olympic champion in Xander Schauffele. And listen, Last year was a strange tournament of champions for so many reasons. You would expect that only the most elite players contend in Kapalua and obviously players with a winning pedigree. But down the stretch on Sunday in 2021, it was guys like Harris English, Joaquin Neiman, Ryan Palmer, uh, and, and others who were in contention with uh, with Harris English being the eventual victor. So it was a strange 2021 in Cap- for Kapalua, much like the rest of the world. Um, you know, I, I expect more Kawa, Patrick Cantlay, Hideki Matsuyama, guys like Victor Hovland to find their way in, into contention this year. Uh, bit because before Harris English won last year, here are the former winners Justin Thomas in 2020, Sanders Shoffley in 19, Dustin Johnson won his second tournament of champions in 2018, Justin Thomas in 2017, and of course, Jordan Spieth in 2016. So this tournament brings out the star power. Many players um, who have won this event have gone on to have, you know, monster success for the rest of the season. Not to say that, you know, Harris English wasn't a star and, um, and, and he did have a ton of success the rest of the year, but let's be real, you know, Harris, Eng- Harris English, probably not going to be a major champion. Um, you know, what, what do you say? Um, you know, realistically, you know, the way he's trending, he could be a major champion, right? With uh, he, he had a win at the Travelers, I believe, as well. And, uh, you know, just thinking about Harris English and going back to last year, last year was the first time in tournament history they invited non-winners. They expanded the field because of COVID, and obviously they weren't able to play a full schedule. So, realistically, Harris wasn't even supposed to be in the event, and he ended up winning. So, um, quite the, uh, you know, uh, situation to really you know start off his year but just looking at this year um we're going back to that smaller field i believe there's uh uh between you know 38 and 40 guys playing when you look at the guys that aren't playing dj number three player in the world is not playing uh this year hard to believe i think he had an eight or nine season streak of winning every year so obviously he would have been eligible for the century tournament champions but uh you know, a little bit of, a I saw, format. I saw him leaving, uh, leaving Aspen, you know, I, I, on the socials yesterday, just left Aspen and in, in a, in a mink coat on a PJ. Absolutely. Oh, there we go. Yeah. No golf. And, you know, he's one of the few guys who probably isn't going to be too bothered by taking a, a week off. A couple other notables that aren't playing that actually qualified are, um, someone by the name of Rory McIlroy. He is, uh, you know, he must be prepping for Augusta looking to get the monkey off his back, uh, starting early on the prep this year. And the Ocala native Louis Ushazen uh, is uh, not making the trip uh, to Hawaii. But for the first time in tournament history, Phil Mickelson will be making an appearance this year. Obviously, won the PGA Championship last year, so he is eligible. And, uh, yeah, it'll be fun to see how he sets up for this golf course. You know, obviously, he's one of the bombs away guys. So I may take a look at him this week just because – He's one of the, you know, boomer bus players in the field. But, uh, you know, depending on the number, we might have to look at that. Another storyline to definitely look at is uh, Colin Morikawa and John Rahm pretty much playing for the number one player in the world uh, title this week. Um, 
But, you know, let's just get into the golf course. We're playing the Kapalua at the, we're playing in Kapalua at the plantation course. It is Bermuda grass, tees, fairways, and greens. Um, the course measures upwards of 7,600 yards, but plays a bit shorter because there's so much runout off the tee. An example of that runout, well, I don't, I don't know if you remember, but uh, DJ had like the shot of the year a couple years ago. It was like a 430-yard par four, and he hit a you know normal 300-yard drive, and it just kept tumbling, 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 like 100 yards down. It took, I, I think it was like a 45-second clip from like strike of the tee shot to where it ended up, which was like two feet from the hole. So it is a really good event to view on TV. You know, there are some that don't really jump out, uh, you know, the Vegas events don't really do anything for me, but it is cool to see. This is going to give more of a Chambers Bay vibe where a guy hits a shot. It looks like it's going to end up good and ends up, you know, 50 yards from the green or vice versa. Where the heck is that shot going? And next thing you know, he's got to tap in for birdie. Yeah. I remember uh, a couple of years ago, you know, bubble on, on one of the par fives in Kapaloo hit that big uh, slice slice cut into one of the par fives. I forgot which hole that was, was on 18. But that was on 18. Yeah, it, looked it, was like 18. It, was gonna, it looked like it was going to go into the, uh, you know, the bleachers or whatever. And ended yeah. up like, and it was like um, a, like you said, it was like a minute 40 clip. The thing rolled like 80 yards short, short of the green and, and got all the way back to a back looking location. But exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. It, it definitely has, uh, you know, it sparks moments of theatrics at Kapalua. So, you know, just talking about the uh, plantation course there, it's a really, really cool golf course in terms of the fact that you can see the ocean from pretty much every hole. Um, the course kind of has these like runway type fairways, even bowling alley with bumpers on the sides. It seems like a lot of the times we'll see balls, you know, bouncing from the rough to the fairway and then just chasing another 50 yards. Uh, it is a Ben Crenshaw core design. Um the one thing the players are going to have to look out for is major elevation changes. So sometimes they're going to be hitting, you know, playing a shot that's playing downhill 20 yards into a 15 mile an hour wind. So the calculations of elevation change combined with high winds makes it really difficult. The caddies are definitely going to, um, you know, be an important factor this week. Uh, but speaking of high winds, that's really important for how the golf course plays, because when you have, you know, the expectation of high winds, you can only make the greens so fast, especially if they have slope. So this tournament is really known for having the slowest greens all year, just because if they have a Friday and it's 40 mile an hour gusts and that ball's moving all over, they'd have to, you know, pause play, suspend play, even, you know, cancel the round kind of situation. So the greens um, can be described by as honestly Velcro this week. So we'll definitely look at who's really good putter on Bermuda and then who's really good putter on slower greens. And uh, we actually were able to find some, some stats on that. So over the years, the scores have been pretty low. Like we talked about, the only defense of the golf course is the wind. It's a par 73, kind of a weird um, layout in terms of four par fives, three par threes. Those par fives are reachable wind dependent. Obviously if it's 30 miles an hour of the wind, some of the holes aren't going to be, but I believe there is a drivable par four as well. Um, kind of risk reward in terms of the way looking at the golf course scorecard thing i'm going to lean with the longer hitters just because there is a lot of open space to bomb it so you know so it's not like you have to hit irons off the tee to keep it in play bryson and these longer guys are going to be able to absolutely just you know go after it so in terms of what we've seen from the past will i know you touched on that earlier the average score over the past six years has been 23 under par jordan got to 30 under in 2016 when he won so, uh, you know, looking at the wind, I did look at the weather report it's supposed to be between 10, 20 miles an hour. So 
shouldn't be crazy amount of wins. So I think you are going to have to go really low this week. Um, Will, like you talked about with last year, Harris English being the winner, one other kind of trend, we have 11 consecutive American winners. So that'll definitely, uh, let's see if we can keep this streak going USA, right? There we go. Yeah. So today we're going to, we're going to start by breaking down um, some of the favorites, the top 10 and the favorites. Um, then we're going to move on to head to heads. We're going to give you some picks to place. Um, then we're going to go into the dark horses, uh, picks to win, some DraftKings lineups, and then we'll leave you off uh, with our best bet uh, heading into this week at the Tournament of Champions. So, Led, let's start off right here with the favorites. Let's get it started. All right, so we have John Rom plus 600. So, although he's the number one player in the world, Rom is coming in a little under the radar. Not saying he's playing poorly or anything, but just hasn't played much, so we haven't you know heard much from him. Um, his last and only start on the PJ Tour season was a missed cut at the Fortinet Championship. Statistically, Rom is as solid as they come. Last season, he was second strokes gained off the tee and eighth strokes gained approach. The consistency of the ball striking carried him to 15 top tens in 22 starts. With that level of consistency, it's honestly really hard to believe that he only had one win. It seemed like every type of thing that could have gone wrong went wrong, whether it's the, you know, FedEx oh, Cup yeah, COVID at Memorial or the FedEx Cup where he's starting three shots back and losing by two kind of situation. Uh, and, and, of, and, 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 of course, before the baby, you know, just, just simply losing his mind, you know? Yes, yes. But in, terms of, but in terms of, you know, looking at that season, if you have that kind of ball striking season off the tee and irons and, you, re, you know, you simulated that season ten times, there's definitely some seasons where you win like five plus times. So it really goes to show him only uh, having one win. You'd think there'd be some sort of, you know, makeup this year in terms of, um, you know, you knock on the door enough, you should get across that kind of finish line here. So in terms of what he's done at this event in his last three starts, he has a seventh place, a 10th, and then a second uh, at Kapalua in terms of this week. I'm going to pass on him. So he's plus 600. That is like Tiger prime territory. Like we talked about, hasn't really played any events in the last couple months. This field is way too stacked to play anyone uh, less than really 10 to one. So six to one is just absolute stay away from me. Um, In terms of, you know, maybe seeing some with how consistent he's been, let's see if we can maybe play in some picks to place, but even top 10, top twenties, those are all going to be minus, which I kind of like to stay away from. So in terms of John Rahm this week, uh, yes, he's the number one player in the world, but I am going to pass. Uh, you know, every time he, he's cheated up in this event, he, he's finished in the top 10, but uh, no wins. I, I'm going to agree with you there. Uh, led definitely overpriced. Even for, if he, even if he did win and you had it at plus 600, like that's not really changing. Yeah, yeah, the, right. Right. You know, right, moving the right. needle. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Great work. Uh, on to uh, Justin Thomas at plus 850. Uh, you know, besides Jordan Spieth, in my opinion, there's no one in the world that plays better in the state of Hawaii than Justin Thomas and specifically Kapalua won this event in 17 and 20. Um, and that 2007 victory was, or 17 victory. Sorry. Uh, I'm not sure how old JT was in 2007, but 2017 victory was in the middle of a very impressive stretch of golf as he won the, uh, you know, tournament of champions, then followed up with a win at the Sony open where I believe he fired a 59, um, and being that the winning scores here, you know, this week are, are definitely going to be pretty low and the weather can be a huge factor. You know, I think there's few players in the world that control their ball as well as Justin Thomas. Um, and as far as recent play goes, 
uh, you know, JT ha- has played a few events in the fall to get tuned up and had a couple consistent starts finishing 18th at CJ and then third at Mayako. But I think if there's one thing um, that JT needs to do this week to guarantee himself at least a top 10 is, um, you know, he has to putt the ball better than he has in, in his previous uh, five, six tournaments, you know. Um, now, recent recency factor is there. They've had a month, you know, a month long off season. So it's been a while, but JT is losing about half a shot on the greens on average in his last 10 starts. Um, you know, his putting percentages are above average in the state of Hawaii as he gains strokes on the greens 58% of the time um, that he's playing a golf tournament in Hawaii. And, you know, I, I don't see a reason not to invest in JT this week. He's played this event six times and he's finished top five and four of those starts, it's, you know, and it's plus money on JT to finish in the top 10. So as far as winning concern is concerned, you know, at plus a 50, it's, you know, it, it is priced a bit highly like Rom, but I, I don't think there's anything um, wrong with sprinkling something on JT to win this week. And well, he does have, he's going to have bones on the bag, right? So uh, ah, I forgot to mention that. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, it's great. It's great bit there weather conditions wise and uh you know calculating on that he's not going to have any issues the only concern i have uh psyche wise would be the f-bomb heard around the world was was this tournament last year right is that where he had the he was stripped of the polo horse yes yeah so yeah you know in terms of i'm sure that's going to be a little bit of a weird adjustment for him yeah um hopefully hopefully know. hopefully ralph doesn't show up you know yeah are we are we uh are we uh is Billy sure. Ho in the field? I believe he is. He is. But are there crowds this week? Do we know if there's crowds this week? I think there Ooh. is, right? I'm I'm unsure, but these islands, you know, it's been a little different. It's kind of one of those things, like, even if there are crowds, there's not that many people getting out nah. there. Because from what I remember... It, it's a it's a horrendous walk, too. Lad. Horrendous I mean, it's walk. It's a horrendous within, walk. Like, you're never within, like, a mile of the golf. Yeah. If you're in the golf. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so hopefully, you know... JT's learned his lesson, can keep it cool this week. But uh, yeah, he, you know, definitely has potential to do well this week. So moving him and P, him and P Reed get paired up together. Guy. Watch out. Oh, yeah, that could be dangerous. But uh, moving into our next guy, Colin Morikawa, 10 to 1. The number two player in the world is set to tee up this week in Hawaii. Probably the hottest golfer in the tournament right now, coming off a second place finish in the CJ Cup, a tied seventh at the Zozo, and a tied fifth at the Hero World Challenge, where he shot a final round 76. Really out of character finish for someone uh, like Colin. He's kind of been known as a closer in his career. So um, if kind of him, him having that tough result on a Sunday was a bit out of character. Uh, honestly, the sh- I don't know. Well, did you watch the hero final round? The shirt he was wearing, there is no way you were uh, uh, lifting, a, lifting a trophy in the shirt he's wearing. It was like a combination of like camo, but like modern it was it was awful so and, and we oh. knew we knew the you know with, with the way he's been dressing over the past six months we knew that was bound to happen at some point bound to happen yeah so yeah so moving into uh you know other things about Colin in this short season Colin is second in approach to the green 10th in putting if Colin ends the year as a top 10 butter combined with his elite ball striking uh Tiger might have to watch out because Colin will be on track for uh whatever you know Tiger's accomplished in his career <laughs> And realistically, if Colin finished top 10 in putting, that would have to transfer into like a, you you would think like a five plus win season for someone like Colin. Going back to last year, he won the WGC at concession and the British Open. Uh, 
kind of fell off a little bit in the middle of late latter part of last season, hampered by a bit of a back injury that caused him to miss a playoff event. I think Colin is uh, well-rested, ready to roll. He is a Theragun uh, influencer, so hopefully he can get uh, you know get those muscles loose where he needs to go. Um, but the one thing I do like about Colin versus a lot of these other guys is he isn't afraid to go low. Uh, at the CJ Cup, shot 24 under uh, to come runner-up to Rory there. Uh, he hasn't finished worse than seventh in every start at Kapalua. So I really do see him uh, keeping this top 10 streak going. I do like this. I do like calling this week in a top 10 play, but at 10 to one, still a little bit too pricey, especially when, you know, we got guys like Bryson Xander, uh, Patrick Cantlay, Victor Hoblin sitting kind of right behind him. And with a win this week, uh, Colin Morikawa would move into number one in the world. And there's also, yes. you know, there's a few other scenarios where he, uh, moves into that position as well. It kind of depends where Rob finishes. But going to talk about something on the line this week for these players besides just kind of showing up in Hawaii. You know, there there is a, a large incentive for, for Colin Morikawa this week. Certainly. Yeah. And uh, shout out to our IMG alumni, Nelly Corda. She is now the been the number one player in the world for the longest time in the history of women's world golf rankings. So, you know. Yeah, no, that's little... right. No, the, and, and and she's probably going to go down as the best player to ever do it. I mean, in my opinion, she's already passed Annika. You know, we'll see. Whoa. We'll, 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 see, whoa, on, whoa. we'll see on hey, we'll see on paper what happens over the next couple okay, of years. Okay, okay. She's got, she's got about 10 more majors to win. But, uh, you know, she's off to a good start, just like Colin, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so into our next guy. Yeah, yeah, we we yeah we move on to uh, Bryson DeChambeau at, yep. at twelve to one. Bryson DeChambeau twelve to one. Bryson is number one strokes gained off the tee in his last twenty four rounds, gaining twenty eight strokes. Not only is he picking up twenty eight strokes on the average player, he's picking up eleven on the next best <laughs> in twenty four rounds. So, I mean, if you're Jim Herman and you're hitting balls next to Bryson, it's just like throw the clubs in the trunk and pull out, you know, pull out of the event. Uh, it's over. The fact that he can do that much damage with the driver is just, you know, incalculable. But in terms of this week, Bryson is going to be able to hit it in places that no one else can. You know, like we talked about, you hit these like 330 yard carry drives and then they roll another 60. This is a really important course to have distance on, not only because of the fact that you get so much roll, but the way the fairways kind of work, it's almost like, they have these, uh, you know, when you think of like a tabletop green or whatever, where it falls off, someone will hit a 300 yard drive. Right. And if they w- would have hit it 305 yards, it would catch like this next slope that goes like another 45 yards down. So at any time, if you can get an extra five, 10 yards out of it, or which Bryson can get about 45 yards out of it. I mean, you'll be hitting wedges where guys are hitting five irons sometimes just based on the way it's almost like a, uh, you know, Mario Kart speed, you know, speed slot kind of thing in terms of the way that works. So another thing for Bryson, this place is pretty forgiving off the tee. There's a couple holes where it's like, where the hell did that go kind of thing in terms of, uh, you know, there's some bushes out there and some cliff kind of situations. But for the most part, Bryson's going to be able to take driver and just swing as hard as he wants to. The one thing we don't like about Bryson coming to this event is rust hasn't played a tournament since September besides the Brooks match where he got absolutely waxed um, at the win. Uh, That was horrendous. Horrendous. Uh, That's, you know, one of the things when you do the 12 round or the 12 hole tournament, right? If it gets, if you get the three or four down, it's uh, a, it's over on eight. Yeah. It's over on eight. Exactly. So 
Uh, I do follow Bryce on Instagram, unfortunately, and it looks like he's been in LA fitness every day this off season and not on the golf course. That was one of the big things from the match too. He was like, Oh, well, you know, I haven't no excuses, but I haven't touched a club in <laughs> three months or whatever. You know what I mean? He kept kind of doing stuff like that. Uh, but I do like him in picks to place just based on the course setup, but I do, I don't think he's, uh, uh you know, played enough golf, enough competitive golf to compete to contend on a tournament where it's going to where you might have to go 25, 28, uh, 30 under to win. So in terms of course setup, it's tough to pass on a guy who can average 350 versus the other guys who are hitting at 300. So I do maybe like him in a, in a top 10 play or something, but in terms of winning um, just too deep a field and you got to go too low here. Yeah. Well done. Um, on to Xander at 12 to one. Uh, you know, as you probably already know, you know, and like I said in, in, in my opening monologue, um, the only players who get into this event um, are those that have won a PGA Tour event in the prior season. Um, Xander's actually not one of those players. He's exempt into this event uh, because he won the Olympic gold medal. And uh, Xander's another player who competed um, in a few tune-up events in the fall, something I like to see. Uh, when betting these first couple of events of the new year, finished 18th in the CJ Cup and 28th Zozo Championship. And, um, you know, not bad at all, considering these top level players uh, play in those fall events to at least get some FedEx Cup points heading into um, the PGA Tour Christmas break. So as far as how Xander um, has played at the Tournament of Champions, this will be Xander's fourth year in a row competing um, at the event. And he's seen very similar success to, um, you know, Justin Thomas, who we just talked about, uh, won this event in 2019 and, and Xander finished top five um, in three of his four starts here, um, all of which have come in the last three consecutive years. So, um, you know, it, it, if there's one ticket I particularly like this week, um, I, I do really like Xander top 10 um, at minus 120 this week. I don't mind buying the extra juice uh, based off his consistency around this track. Yeah, and one thing that stands out about, about Xander is he loves the, you know, obviously the Olympics. He loves the limited field, no cut events. That is his loves. bread and butter. So um, obviously that being um, Century being one of those this week, uh, you know, he should do well, you know, based on all the stuff you talked about there as well. But moving into our next guy, Victor Hovland, 12 to 1. Um, just looking at it now, I would actually like to retract my statement on Colin Morikawa being the hottest golfer on the planet. Victor Hovland is by far in the way uh, that he has wins in his last two starts at the Mayakova and the hero world challenge dating back to the CJ cup. Victor is 59 under in his last 12 rounds. Victor is fifth off the tee, 15th approach of last season. Now just looking at it, right? All of this stuff is great. Coming off back to back wins. Victor Hovland is not going to be, you know, more expensive than he is right now realistically, do we think he can win three events in a row, three starts in a row? The only three active players that have done that are DJ Rory and someone by the name of Tiger. And yes, I'm referring to Tiger as an active player. Uh, just had a solo, a solo second at the father's son with, uh, with Charlie there. So Tiger's an active player, but I'm not going to take Victor this week. Uh, hate him at 12 to one. Don't think he can win three times in a row. And he's only played this tournament one other time, and it was a 31st place finish uh, out of like 40 guys. So not exactly the course history we're looking for either. So, Will, you were going to say something? 
Yeah, Led. I mean, uh, I, I'm right with you, pal. I, we're going to get into some of these head-to-heads and uh, picks of place um, later on, but he's so overpriced across the board. Yes. It's just um, – it's impossible to take him you this mean, week. I mean, it's just like one of those things, like you, you look at the list of what players have won three times in a row, and it's like 15, 18 guys max. So um, if he happened to win this week, all of a sudden he is – I mean, he's on the same level as he probably is very close to it. I wouldn't put him on that tier yet with the, the ROMs, the, you know, the Morikawas just from a, you know, major performance uh, standpoint as well. He hasn't really shown up too much in those, but uh, yeah, for me, Hovland's a pass this week, but moving into our next guy. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we move on to Patrick Cantlay at 14 to one and uh, you know, the 2021 PGA tour player of the year did not play any tune-up events in the fall besides the hero. Um, And, you know, expanding on that, nothing against players that don't play any tune-up events, but I believe this is a venue um, that is just hard to show up and compete without playing competitive golf for, you know, better part of four months. Um, That being said, you know, Cantlay's put together a decent resume at Kapalua. He had a fourth-place finish here back in 2020. Other than that, he has finished 13th and 15th at the Tournament of Champions, and um, he's finished solid here despite really not hitting it well at Kapalua. He's lost at least two shots to the field at Kapalua with his approach in two um, of three times he's played the event. And you have to think because he doesn't play tune-up events in the fall, he's kind of kicking the the rust um, off the clubs here in Hawaii. Uh, year in and year out so uh you know for me it's going to be tough to bet Cantley outright this week but i will definitely be looking um in the head-to-heads and picks to place if i if i decide to do so yeah and you know tough to uh back up the season Cantley had last year yeah, obviously it is not up and stuff yeah i do think though that you know the way he got started last year with remember he had like you know 14 or 15 straight uh, weeks to start off the season, losing, stru- losing shots um, on the putting greens. I, I think I 100% agree with you that it's really tough to back up that type of ball striking, like especially what he did at Caves Valley at the BMW. But um, definitely, I think we're going we're gonna to be seeing kind of an uphill uh, climb for, for Patrick Cantlay as far as the putting greens are concerned. And we were just, you know, reminding people, Rom obviously handed him that uh, memorial yeah, PJ tour event with that positive COVID test, unfortunately. But yeah, uh, we, we didn't talk about that. But that that ultimately, you and I both said after Memorial that that was going to cost Rom Player of the Year and FedEx Cup. And I mean, it costed all. It costed Rom thirteen million dollars at least. Yeah, realistically, it's yeah. Uh, you know starting one shot back versus two shots back is uh, important when you get into that final week. So uh, you know. To me, I still think the FedEx Cup is kind of weighted too heavily later in the season. Like, it seems like a guy could have, like, four wins before, uh, you know, June and finish, like, 17th in the FedEx Cup, which seems like there's something wrong with that, uh, you know, with those numbers it, there. But, it it uh, could, ha- could happen to Sam Burns this year. Potentially. I was thinking, you know, just get uh, – what do you think of this idea? If you, you know, you do the FedEx Cup points race, right, but then you make the final – final event a bracket right and rather than doing like you know one through you know one through let's say 28 playing each other like a march madness bracket because you might have like the number two player in the world sneak in on the number right and he right. has to go against the number one player you then re-rank it based off world ranking right 
So then you would, it would be, I mean, a match play finale where you absolutely know. And even if it was like nine holes, so it's quick, obviously, uh, you know, you could do it over three, four days. I think that would be a really fun format that, um, you know, might not get the best player winning, you know, but in terms of enjoyability, I mean, a lot of the times these FedEx Cup championships and stuff, the final round is, you know, a guy might have like a four shot lead because he had a five shot lead to right, start to the start. Event. And there's only two guys in it. You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather have um, a guaranteed, okay, 18 holes for the 10 million kind of thing versus, uh, like, even Cantlay, obviously he won, played great, but it was like this, like, defense of the cup. You know what right. I mean? You want to see people kind of go win it kind of thing. So, um, you know, if the PJ Tour higher-ups are listening. But let's get into our next guy, Sam Burns at 18-1. to 1. Samuel Burns is officially a household name and getting respect from the bookmakers. I remember even last year, uh, before he had his win at Innisbrook, he was kind of in that 40 to 1, 50 to 1. And then after the win at Innisbrook, kind of got in that 30 to 1. Now, um, after another win at the Sanderson, he's kind of in that, you know, the the teenage digits here. So he's played five PJ Tour events this, this season. Here's the rundown. First at Sanderson, 14th at Shriners, 5th at CJ Cup, 7th at Houston Open, third at uh, the Hero World Challenge. So unbelievable consistency, and he has the stats to back it up. He's first tee to green. Um, the only thing that really tends to bother Sam is the flat stick. He's barely inside the top 100. But one of the things we talked about, whenever we kind of have windy conditions, whether it's you know through the years or looking at the forecast, I think that those windy conditions can be a bit of an equalizer for the mediocre putters uh, because you could hit a perfect putt from 10 feet you know, gust of wind, it misses, uh, vice versa, you hit a bad putt, goes in. So I think it kind of brings the, the, you know, the good putters and the average putters together, brings the bad putters and the average putters kind of closer together. So um, I don't think there's going to be that much of importance on putting. But the one thing that does stand out with Kapalua is um, three putt avoidance, okay? Because the greens are enormous. You've got like 30 mile an hour winds. So a 40 footer might, you know, look like it's going to lip out next thing you know, just starts tracking seven, eight, 10, uh, 10 feet away. And Sam was fifth on the PJ tour in three putt avoidance last year. So I think he's going to have an advantage over the rest of the field because not only, you know, obviously if you're a good ball striker uh, for the most of the time, you're hoping you're not going to have 70 footers, 80 footers for birdies. But in terms of the fact that, you know, let's say you're playing a 170 yard par three and you it's down 20 yards. So 150 but into the wind uh, 20 miles an hour. So back to 170. And if you could hit a perfect shot and the fact that you just misjudged it, right? Now all of a sudden you have that 50, 60, 70 footer that you need to two putt for par. So three putt avoidance is going to be enormous this week, not only because the greens are big, ton of slope and wind. So the fact that, you know, you can be automatic inside 100 feet uh, putting is going to be huge. So guys like Speed, Patrick Reed, um, and Samuel Burns, you know, statistically, guys that have this uh, really good speed on long putts and aren't going to have to be stressing over it because that's one of the big things is, you know, you hit it to 40 feet on the first hole of the tournament. The difference between having a six footer for par and a tap in stress wise, right. Huge. And the way that wears on you uh, over a four day kind of tournament is enormous. So I love Sam Burns because of his ball striking, because of his three putt avoidance, because of his consistency and 18 to one is a little tastier than, you know, some of these guys at eight to one, 10 to one, 12 to one. And I think, you know, 
granted, he's not a John Rom, he's not a Morikawa, but statistically as of late, he's playing, you know, definitely in that in that category or tier. So Sam Burns, 18 to 1, absolutely love that guy to win. Great work. On to Daniel Berger at 20 to 1. And, you know, with the with the exception um, of a T7 finish at the Hero, we did not see him at any um, of the tune-up fall events. But <clears throat> I really do believe, you know, Daniel Berger is going to have a huge 2022 season. Uh, you know, he's going to go back to Pebble in a few weeks for the AT&T where he won last year. And, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he wins this week or at Sony next week to get his, to get his year started. He was top 10 in scoring average and greens hit last year, uh, made 21 of 23 cuts and someone um, who was extremely close to winning the U.S. and British last year. I thought Berger, um, you know, well, he, Berger has played great. Um and his three trips to the Tournament of Champions, no finishes outside the top 15. Um, and what he has to do around Kapalua uh, compared to previous years in order to win is putt better. He's lost shots in the greens in two of his three visits here uh, to the field. But I think this week is a really good look for Berger. I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, if he's not going to be my winning pick, I think I'll at least sprinkle some um, on Berger to win along with JT. Um, and possibly some more picks um, on Berger to come as we come upon the uh, head-to-heads and picks to place in a little bit. And D- Daniel, he's a uh, he's a pass for me this week. Um, you know, I just kind of meh when I'm looking at the stats and stuff. One of the guys, it's weird. It's like he doesn't play enough on the week. Yeah, depending on the week, though, you're like he's underrated. No, he's overrated. You know what I mean? Because yeah. um, for someone as talented as he is. Uh, you'd think he'd have a couple more wins by now. I know he did kind of have a wrist injury, uh, not shocking based on that backswing position, but uh, in terms of, yeah, the one thing I will say he is that he has a closer as well. So if he's in it kind of on a late Sunday, like we talked about at the at AT&T uh, last year when he hit that sick three wood from like 280 to the yeah. 20 feet and drained it for Eagle to, to win outright was a pretty cool, uh, you know, that's not surprising from a guy like that who's, uh, you know, Seems to be like one of those guys who, you know, kind of the Brooks DJ kind of uh, model in terms of does not care about anything. So nothing. Um, I, and and that's, I think, part of the issue. Like, I, I would love to see this year him get about, you know, at least 28 to 30 events in. I, I was looking at the past years, like he skirts the edge of like the, 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 the least amount of tournaments that you can play in a PGA tour season and holds your card. Yeah. He's got the injured tiger schedule going for, for <laughs> yeah, sure. every year. In terms of that, every but moving year. into our next guy, we have Hideki Matsuyama at 22 to 1. As we know, Hideki is an island boy in terms oh. of the fact that he's from Japan, won the Zozo Championship last year, also the reigning Masters Champion. So, how will Hideki fare on another island this year? We'll see. Um, in terms of recent form, he has a sixth at the Fortinet Championship, uh, just a just couple months ago here. Um, in terms of statistics, Hideki was 50th off the tee and 17th approach last year. And honestly, looking at his stats from, you know, when you look at 2016, 2017, 2018, was probably his worst year on tour ball striking was last year. And even looking at the stats so far in this PJ Tour season, Hideki is losing over a stroke per round on the green. So he's 227th in putting. There's bad, and then there's 227th out of, like, 230 yeah. guys. Someone called Brad Faxon. We need to get this guy, a, you know, a, a lesson pronto. But, you know, you're looking at him statistically. 
Hasn't been hitting it great, especially lot in this past year. Last couple months, putting terrible. Course history. Last year, he finished 41, 41st place in the uh, Century Tournament of Champions. Hey, Doc, guess how many guys were playing in the Century Tournament of Champions last year? Yeah, yeah, it, it was. He, he, yeah, he finished tied for dead last. Who, who yeah, was that? tied for dead last. Yeah. So 41st out of 41st, not too good, not too many, uh, too much good mojo coming in. So, you know, that result combined with the way he's putting, we know that you're just going to have some five, six footers, you know, windy conditions, which are not easy. Uh, granted, he does have the wide stance for it, right, <laughs> in terms of being stable in the wind. But, uh, yeah, the stroke, a little shaky right now. So he's a hard pass for me at 22 to 1. So Hideki, no thank you. Yeah, on to uh, – on to, I'm, I'm mostly off uh, Hideki as well. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him once in the picks of place category. We'll get to that. It's kind of a – it's a different ticket, one you're very used to, you know, hearing me take. But um, on to Jordan Spieth at 22 to 1. Coming off. Uh, somewhat of a comeback season, probably not for his expectations, but he moved from 92nd in the rankings to inside the top 20 and made over $6 million, secured a win at the Bolero Texas Open, along with two top five finishes um, and majors at the Masters in the U.S. Open. Uh, Led, I want to think that Jordan Spieth is going to win two majors in 2022. Uh, you know, the venue seemed to set up for him a little bit better than usual, of course, Augustus is bread and butter, but the U.S. Open is going to Brookline. I think a U.S. Open venue that just, it's, it sets up better for him than most. Um, and then the PGA, the, the, the PGA goes to Southern Hills um, in Oklahoma. You know, I, I guess it'd be fitting, um, you know, for Spieth to finish off the Grand Slam in Sooner territory, uh, being that he is a Longhorn. And then, of course, um, the uh, – the open is at St. Andrews where he was right there with Zach Johnson and well, last time it went there. Um, but anyways, he starts 2022 here in Kapalua. Um, just like quite a few of these favorites. He's won here back in uh, 2016. I know I said, you know, Justin Thomas, and, you know, winning back and just looking at past results, winning back in 2016, that's the last time he played here. Right. <laughs> so the last time he played here, he won. You obviously think about, you know, he had a three year, non-win streak so he wasn't eligible to play in this tournament so in terms of it's not like he won in 2016 and post some bad results he just wasn't eligible to play in the event so you got to look at that as you know just as good as Harris English coming in here in terms of how he's feeling coming into this event yeah absolutely absolutely you know I I said that Justin Thomas owns his place I think Spieth definitely has his fair share of property um and you know on top of that in four starts here he's never finished outside the top 10 uh kind of like you said um, I'm 1000% taking, um, you know, Jordan Spieth to finish in the top 10 this week. Um, I, I you know, I stayed away from Spieth, um, in some of the fall events he played, um, you know, because, you know, the wife just had a baby, he had a lot of lot going on for Spieth, a lot going on. Um, mm -hmm. I think he's back locked in and, and I hope I get to bet on Spieth a lot this year. Yeah. And I'm, I'm on Spieth, uh, this week as well. And this year. So, uh, I like that pick. So moving into our next one. I, I did not realize that that 16 was the last year you played in this event. Yeah. Well, you think that <laughs> it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. It's unbelievable. But let's move into those head to heads. Um, I'll go first here. And one thing I want to, you know, make you guys understand is just the fact that, you know, you look at a player, okay. You recognize his name. You look at, you know, you look at a John Rom, you look at a deck, you look at all these different guys, but, 
The thing is, it's just like, you know, if you're betting football, if the number's wrong, it doesn't really matter who's playing. You just have to take it. So my first one and really all three of these, I just feel like the numbers are wrong. And this is somewhat similar to that kind of week one NFL where you haven't seen the teams play yet. You haven't seen the guys play. You don't know exactly, uh, you know, the injury reports or how guys are doing. So in terms of the fact that I think this is a great opportunity to take some upsets, you know, and it's kind of like the first four weeks of the NFL because we don't know what teams are. We don't know what players are yet. So I'm taking upsets for pretty much all of these. Uh, but like, let's, let's just start off with my first one. I'm taking Colin Morikawa over John Rom plus 120. And like I talked about, this is just about the price. I see these two players right now on the exact same level and you're getting plus money with Colin. Uh, Colin is first tee to green his last 50 rounds while John Rom is third. Now, normally you give to the advantage uh, to John Rom on the greens, but like I talked about earlier, Colin so far this season is top 10 in putting. So right off the bat, Colin Morikawa over John Rom plus 120 uh, statistically based. And I just like the, like the number um, for our next one. I'm taking Jordan Spieth over Hideki Matsuyama minus one Oh five. Now we have a former winner of this event in 2016 versus a guy who finished dead last last year. Um, last time Spieth was eligible to play, we talked about he won. So great memories coming in versus Hideki's like, I mean, I'm el- I mean, I'm in the event. I might as well come out. Right. But uh, in terms of course setup, I don't think this could set up much better for Jordan uh, in terms of the fact that you can spray it a little bit. He's kind of sneaky. One of the longer guys out there. So he's not going to be, you know, uh, losing uh many strokes off the tee to a guy like Hideki, who is a good driver of the golf ball. Like we talked about Kapalua, it's pretty forgiving off the tee. You can spray it wherever you want. And just looking at, uh, you know, putting and stuff, Hideki is borderline the worst putter on tour versus Spieth, who uh, on slow Bermuda greens, uh, that's pretty much Jordan's specialty. Kind of grew up on it. uh, And he's picked up over 16 strokes in his last 24 rounds on slow Bermuda greens. So, you know, a stat we absolutely love. Meanwhile, Hideki is just trying to two putt from 20 feet, it seems like, in terms of the mindset he has, uh, you know, with the flat stick right now. So, you know, simple math here. Good ball striker in Jordan Spieth plus great putter in Jordan Spieth over a great ball striker in Hideki, but terrible putter, you know. So Hideki being favored over Jordan is just absolutely wrong to me. So I'm taking Jordan Spieth over Hideki Matsuyama minus 105. And then for my last one, Patrick Reed over Daniel Berger plus 145. Wow. When I first saw this number, I was like, this is not right. Is Patrick only allowed to use 10 clubs this week? Plus 145 is incredibly disrespectful. Uh, Now, he's a former winner here in 2015, has two other runner-up finishes. Um, Patrick is the second best slow Bermuda putter in the field besides Spieth, picking up over 12 shots on the field in his last 24 rounds. P. Reed, according to sources, is hitting it great. Uh, the way Patrick plays, as long as he is hitting it anything but ter- terrible, he's a top 10 lock, really, with that short game. Um, and also, Patrick is a great win player. Think back to Bermuda Championship, where he was really struggling. He finished in a tie for second there. Um, you know, that was kind of like boomerang golf, where the ball was just, you know, you're hitting seven irons from 95 yards. But the way he kind of plays, works the ball, and short game, uh, it's you know, it sets up really good for him. And we should see... Pretty similar conditions. Uh, you know, we're not expecting gale force winds here, but definitely some gusts uh, throughout the week. Pretty similar to Bermuda. Both Bermuda grass, so he's going to have some pretty good, uh, you know, vibes coming in. Um, recent form-wise, he's coming off a tied third at the Hero World Challenge. Um, to me, the price is just wrong. Uh, 
sorry, the price is just wrong. Just absolutely hammer Reed for the upset. Plus 145, Patrick Reed over Daniel Berger. Okay, on to, uh, to my head-to-heads. I'm going to start off with uh, Bryson DeChambeau over Sam Burns at minus 130. I mean, I have to give credit where credit's due uh, to Sam Burns. If there's anyone, um, you know, who took full advantage of the fall season, it's Sam Burns. You know, as Led said, one tennis in farms, top tens at CJ in Houston, then third at Hero. He's currently second in the FedEx Cup standings. Um, and I think I don't think anyone has a doubt he's going to have a big year, but there's a couple reasons uh, why I like Bryson over Sam Burns this week. One, this course just suits Bryson's game better. Bryson's going to eat up the long par fives, uh, some of the longest on the PGA Tour. Um, obviously, tons of rollout, like Led said, but it just favors Bryson more. And number two, uh, Bryson has played this event three times now, and Sam Burns will make his first appearance here. Um, on top of that, Bryson has finished seventh here. Uh, twice in three starts and really hasn't even hit the ball that well. In 2019, lost almost two strokes from Tita Green uh, to the field and still racked up a top 10. So, yes, it is an expensive ticket at minus 130, but I have a lot of confidence in Bryson this week at Kapalua. Uh, my second pick is going to be Daniel Berger over Victor Hovland at plus 105. Like I said, being in the podcast, I think Victor Hovland you know, it, it is incredibly overpriced. Uh, from top to bottom this week, look to fade him in all categories. Um, and my third head-to-head is going to be Jordan Spieth over Abraham Answer at minus 120. I feel like we're getting this matchup at a fantastic price. I mean, Abraham Answer's prior performance in Hawaii um, is nothing to brag about. When he came to Kapalua for the first time last year, he finished 17th and lost five and a half strokes uh, tee to green. You know, I, this golf course also, in my opinion, might be a little too stretched out for Abe Answer. Um, you know, I, I think distance could, he could run into a problem with that. Um, and especially with Abe, not only at Kapalua, but in Hawaii, um, he, he struggled with this, with this Hawaii swing, you know, he went, the tour goes from here to Sony open next week. And this stretch has just never treated Abe special and four starts to Sony Abe's best finish is 29th. So, um, you know, with all that information presented, I look at speed. Um, over answer at minus 120 to be a lock. Uh, so my three head to heads are going to be DeChambeau over Burns at minus 130, Berger over Hovland at plus 105, and Spieth over answer at minus 120. Love them, love them. And uh, I gotta go, uh, I gotta go look at the stats. I believe I'm on a 10 plus head to head streak. So yeah, we looking, didn't even, we didn't even mention that. It's yeah, <laughs> looking wild. to keep that going, uh, with uh, with the picks this week, Will. Um, and guys, one thing I want to mention in terms of moving into our next section here, picks to place, only 40 guys in the field. So really we're looking at top 10s, more like top 20s and top 20s, more like top 40s, just because of the fact that you know the field's a third of the size of what it normally is, but obviously it's a stacked field. So I feel like that's a pretty good conversion there. Um, but for our first one, I am taking Patrick Reed, top 10 plus 150. Uh, you know, I rattle off a lot of the stuff earlier, former winner. He won here in 2015, two other runner up finishes, great putter coming off a great event at the hero world challenge. And, um, the ball striking supposedly is back on track where we want it to be. You combine that with a short game and, uh, realistically, you know, he's like, he talked about, you know, 10 years ago, I'm a top five player in the world or, you know, and everybody yeah. was kind of like, oh, okay, you know, starting to back it up now with, uh, consistently, uh, winning every year here and then for my next one you know this is that week one nfl upset where it's like you know maybe the falcons are going to come out of the gate or maybe urban's going to get the jags going out of the gate uh 
hopefully he does a little better than Irvin did. Um, but uh, against your Texans, right? Well, but uh, in terms of who I'm taking as a little bit of a flyer here, I'm taking Phil Mickelson top 10 plus 450 coming off the PIP player impact program champion, a little smooth eight mil sitting in the bank, nothing to lose this week. First time playing this event um, is somewhat of a concern just because of the fact that it's kind of a, a different golf course in terms of, you know, you're going, you got a d- downhill 20 yard shot or you got wins all over the place. But nowadays with the, with the uh, technology, uh, you know, you got green charts, you got, you know, range finders with a slope. You got, I mean, you got seven practice rounds. The fact that this is the first term of the year, who the heck knows? Phil might've you know spent his new year's in, uh, in Hawaii getting prepped for it. Lives in California, not exactly a, uh, you know, cross country trip for him to get over there. Uh, to get some reps in, but uh, just jet hopping. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But in terms of course setup, you think it'd be a perfect match. Uh, As we know, Phil is pretty much bombs away is the, uh, is the course setup he likes. Um, Even the, even the way that you feed these second shots in, like, uh, you know, you hit a low hook and you'll, like we talked about that Bubba Watson slice where the ball lands 50 yards in front of the green runs and runs and runs that kind of creativity around the greens. Um, the fact that you can, you know, Phil's obviously hitting every type of shot you've ever seen, you know, uh, draws, fades type of thing. I think that sets up great. Obviously, one of the best around the greens uh, over the last 20 years. Still still got it. Uh, that's something that, uh, you know, is a nice is a nice backup uh, backup plan to have. But in terms of the one thing that's concerning, Phil hasn't had a top 10 since the PGA where he won. But at plus 450 in a really small field, I love him uh, to take a flyer on this week. Sure, he could. Uh, you can't miss a cut this week. Actually, <laughs> sure, he could finish DFL, but uh, at plus four fifty to finish top ten, no trouble out there. His short game, I love it. So my two picks to place are Patrick Reed top ten plus one fifty and Phil Mickelson top ten plus four fifty. And okay. one more thing, I just wanted to add. Um, remember, what we talked about it's always about the price. Phil's top top twenty number is minus one fifty, and his top ten number is plus four fifty. So something's out of whack here. So we might as well take advantage of it. Yep. Great work there, lad. Uh, my picks to place heading into this week. Uh, I'm going to start with Justin Thomas, top 10 and plus 160. Like I said, in the favorites conversation, uh, JT has an incredible uh, consistent track record around Kapalua. Um, you don't want to miss out on that ticket. My next one is Jordan Spieth, top 10 and plus 130. Um, you know, it, it, this is another one. It doesn't take a genius to figure out that, you know, Spieth top 10 in Kapalua is a lock. He, you know, he's never finished outside the top 10 here in four starts, and why would this year be any different? He's poised to get back in the winner's circle. He's not coming off a bad stretch of golf, and he's a new dad. Undoubtedly has that fresh perspective um, that we see from so many professional golfers. I mean, we saw it from Rom last year. He was not a nice guy before he had a kid, then boom, he has a kid. Change man, wins the U.S. Open. Um, and, and the bottom line is um, all evidence points to Spieth racking up another top 10 here. My third pick to play is going to be Patrick Cantlay, top 10 at minus 110. And then my fourth is going to be Hideki Matsuyama, top Asian finisher at plus 140. So despite the last place finish at Kapalua last year, Hideki's, Hideki's previous three starts resulted in top five finishes. So um, he really had a bad stretch on the greens around this time last year. 
Uh, we saw him struggle on, uh, you know, we've seen him struggle on Bermuda greens from time to time. Um, I, I don't think it happens this week. I don't see guys like Siwoo Kim and KH Lee much making much of an impact at this event with their lack of distance. And, you know, I think the Asian leaderboard will be a showdown between Hideki and Sungjae. Um, and I really expect both of them to finish in the top five. I actually have Sungjae top five as my dark horse. We'll get to that in a little bit. But don't be surprised to see Hideki even possibly win this event this week, Led. Yeah, so kind of combating that, um, the only thing I, I actually I don't I don't mind Hideki in like a pick to place, you know, potential. Yeah. Uh, but because of his ball striking, right, he could finish tied eighth and have, you know, be the worst putter in the field. Right. You know, you no, correct. Stroke, correct. You Great point. Every round. Which, is why, which is obviously why I'm taking him in this sort of leaderboard. So great yes, point. Yes. there. Yeah. Um, in terms of winning, if you're going to go 25 to 27 under, yeah. you know, you you got to be pretty much automatic inside 10 feet. And uh, Hideki has been anything but that so far this season. Um, like we talked about Hideki, even this past season with two wins at the Zozo and the Masters, not even, not really one of his better ball striking years. He just had a couple, you know, hot tournaments yeah. with the putters. So he's capable of doing that. But, um, you know, I just don't see it this week in terms of uh, him winning, but picks to place, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I won't get too upset about that one. So, no uh, doubt. No. Yeah. Let me, let me. So, my picks to place for this week, let me just review them real quick. Justin Thomas, top 10 at plus 160. Jordan Spieth, top 10 at plus 130. Patrick Cantley, top 10 at minus 110. And Hideki Matsuyama as the top Asian finisher at plus 140. Love it. The island boy. All right. So moving into our next one, um, it's our picks to win. And yes, I'm a bit of a broken record this week. Patrick Reed, 30 to 1. We're living and dying with P. Reed this week. But it's just based on the price. Patrick is not getting any respect this week. So let's just take advantage of it. Um, I love Patrick for all the reasons I mentioned earlier. Most of Patrick's wins that actually come early in the year, you think about, you know, he's won this event before he's won at Torrey. Uh, you know, he, he loves the West coast uh, in terms of like we talked about course history. He has a win here, two runner ups coming off a great tournament at the hero four rounds in the sixties. Great win player, great putter. Patrick Reed 30 to one just stands out as a, you know, too good a price to pass on. And then for our next guy, Sam Burns, 18 to one for all the reasons I mentioned earlier, just want to give a rundown kind of, you know, a shout out to how well he's been playing first at Sanderson, 14th at Shriners, fifth at CJ cup, seventh at Houston open third at hero. Um, really tough to pass on a guy like that. Uh, who, like I talked about, does not three putt. So this week, that's going to be a huge advantage on these big greens, uh, big slope, windy greens. Uh, he's going to be, uh, you know, a tough guy to beat. So Sam Burns, 18 to one, absolutely love him this week. So, you know, recapping Patrick Reed, 30 to one, Sam Burns, 18 to one for my picks to win. Yeah. My, my pick to win um, this week is going to be Daniel Berger at 20 to one. When you look at Berger's past results, Kapalua, uh, you know, 14th and 17, 11th and 18, 10 to 2021. The only thing that has stumped bogey at Kapalua is the greens. He's done just about everything else perfectly. Um, and, I, and, you know, in the last year, Berger has vastly improved the way he is putting on Bermuda surfaces. In the last three events, um, you know, uh, of, 20, uh, of the 2021 season, um, you know, it, it really felt like Berger took that next stride on the greens. And I think it's all going to come together at Kapalua this week for Berger. So my solo pick to win this week 
is going to be Daniel Berger at 20 to one. Let's jump into dark horses led. Yeah. And for my dark horse, I have Brandon grace at a hundred to one. Now there's like four or five guys in the field that are, uh, you know, triple digits to one Brandon grace being one of, one of them. Uh, I believe Phil is another one of those guys. Um, I'm normally not like an absolute, oh my God, long shot guy. But in terms of the fact that this is only a 40 person field, you know, um, I think it gives these guys who, you know, some of them are in, I'd say the sketchiest way to get into this event would be uh, winning the Puerto Rico open. And that is what Brandon Grace did um, because that's a, you know, like we talked about probably a borderline uh, corn fairy event in terms of the strength of field. But when you think about it, um, Brandon Grace, you know, he did, he's had some injury concerns. He's had, um, you know, a couple of years ago, you would have taken him kind of in. He, I, w- I want to say he was probably top 15 player in the world with, he had yeah, a couple of good U.S. That, Opens. Couple that of- year he was right there at Chambers Bay when Spieth won. Blew exactly. It, blew it OB on that par three 17th at Chambers. Yes, that's that's right. But um, Brandon Grace is an elite win player. Uh, it comes, you know, he's from South Africa. That's kind of the conditions they play in most of the time. Um, in terms of the price on these long shots, I want to get a guy that's kind of inflated. He's coming off back-to-back missed cuts. So the price is inflated a bit, right? If he would have finished top 20 in those last two events, that number might be, you know, 60 to one. So the fact that we're getting at hundred to one is really nice. Uh, previous to those missed cuts, he had a seventh place at the Zozo not too long ago and a playoff loss at the Wyndham will, if you remember, um, and, you know, really looking at his win last year, Puerto Rico Open, high wind, island course, pretty comparable to Kapalua in terms of grasses and conditions. So he's going to have a pretty good feeling coming in here. So Brandon Grace, 100 to 1 is my dark horse. Wonderful. Lad, I mean, I, I would I would uh, I would have taken something in the triple digits for for. Uh for my dark horse, but I, I say by the book, anything, you know, plus 300 or more, I'm taking my, my dark horse is sung JM top five at plus three thirty. Um, you know, th- this is one guy in the field who, you know, didn't really even have an off season. You know, you, you see so many guys win and then take the off season, or, you know, take the, the winter and the fall off. And the, that's not sung Jay, you know, and it probably has to do with leaving for the military soon, but he played the Sanderson farms. He won Shriners in October came in ninth at the CJ and then 19th in Houston. So between Sam Burns and Sungjae, those two probably had the best results um, as of recent. I would say one concerning aspect of the game has been putting. He's lost strokes on the greens and for his last five events, um, as well as in last year's edition of the Tournament of Champions, where if he had putted even decent, he would have won the golf tournament, ended up finishing fifth year last year. So, uh, my dark horse for, for this week at the Tournament of Champions is going to be Sung JM top five at plus 330. All right. The college football title game is on the way. The NFL playoffs are almost ready to begin. Pregame.com has you covered for all the big games. The handicappers at pregame.com are working extremely hard. Right now, you can save 20% on any site purchase. Simply use coupon code TITLE20 for your 20% savings. That's T I T L E. 2-0 for your 20% savings. Pregame.com has daily, weekly, monthly, and seasonal pick packages. When making a purchase, enter coupon code TITLE20 for your 20% savings. Don't miss out on the big games. Buy, win, and save at pregame.com. Again, that coupon code is T-I-T-L-E-2-0 at pregame.com. All right, and let's just move in right into the DraftKings lineups. 
Um, well, let's just start fresh here. You know, we're at the start of the year here. We'll, uh, you know, we're O and O, um, but I'll go through mine. I'm taking some bombers here with Bryson DeChambeau, Sam Burns, Jordan Spieth, Patrick Reed, Taylor Gooch, and then my dark horse, Brandon Grace, is going to be the caboose of that stacked lineup. Love it, love it. So I'm going to be – we're starting O and O. So my DraftKings lineup against you this week is going to be Jordan Spieth, Patrick Cantlay, Daniel Berger, Sung J.M., Jason Kokrak, and Cameron, okay. and, and Cameron Champ. Love it. Give some, of, give some of those low burner cuts out there to run forever. I love it. And Kokrak's, you know, sneaky good year last year with the couple wins he had. Uh, we'll see what so, happens. Could, could he turn into a major a major winner? Who knows? Big country, right? That's yeah. Yeah. Big country. He won two or three. He's <coughs> only player to win Colonial and Houston Open in the same year. Awesome. Awesome. All right. And moving into those best bets. Okay, my best bet this week for the Tournament of Champions is going to be Jordan Spieth, top 10 and plus 130, who I picked um, in my picks to place. When you look at Spieth as of recent, obviously he placed, you know, 18th CJ Cup before then, um, had a bit of a rough end to the 2021 season, 73rd at Northern Trust, 34th at BMW, and then 20th at the Tour Championship. Uh, You know, before then really went on a nice stretch at the U.S. Open and the Open uh, you know, finished 19th in the U.S. and then second at the Open. But I, I really think he kicks it off on a good note here. Um, like I said, made over $6 million last year. Um, you look at this year's uh, venues of major championships, and you can't help but to think Jordan's getting excited. So uh, my best bet for Kapalua, Jordan Spieth, top 10 at plus 130. For my best bet, Tony Finau, top 10 plus 150. One of the reasons Tony doesn't have much course history here is he doesn't really win that often. Um, obviously won in the playoffs last year, but going into, you know, you got to dig back to 20, 2015, 2016, when he won the uh, Puerto Rico open. And obviously if you don't win that much, you don't play in the century tournament of champions that much. So um, in the one time he has played here previously, he did finish in the top 10. When you think of horses for courses, Tony, Tony definitely fits the bill. He's a bomber and he's solid throughout the bag. Even in terms of, of the shots Tony likes to hit, he likes hitting those sawed-off iron shots, which should play nicely in the high winds here. Um, now, Tony only has one top 10 since his playoff win, so I think we're getting a nice number to jump on. One of the things I don't like about Tony is I always felt like he was a little bit overrated um, because he doesn't win that much. But in terms of the fact that, well, we said we wouldn't bet on him until he had a little bit of a dry spell so that number would creep back up again. So for me... Um, he's coming off a tied seventh at the hero, despite uh, a couple missed cuts. Um, I do look for him to have a good week here, uh, in Hawaii. So for my best bet, it's Tony Finau top 10 plus 150. And that will do it here on the golf preview podcast on RJ Bell's dream preview. Great work today. Led, uh, we'll be back next week for the Sony open, uh, you know, for more golf news, news throughout the season, you can go follow me at, uh, DR media 59 on Twitter. And of course, James, at James Ledbetter. Uh, have a great week, everyone. We'll see you at the, uh, the Sunny Open.